along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, the second hour of the Ghost Chronicles radio show hour. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, New England's own Van Helsing, and with me, the lovely blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. And me, hello, anyone? Uh-oh, this ain't good. Can anybody hear me? Hello, I can hear you. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. So we lost Ian. That's a good start right off the bat. Hmm. Anyways, uh, joining us today, while well, we try to track down Ian or find... Oh, yeah, Ian's muted for some reason. Anyways, um, well, we track her down. I'd like to introduce our guests. And this is the part that I never do because I always butcher names. Um, so she is uh, a cryptozoologist. Is, is that fair to say? Uh, Satan, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, the easiest way to pronounce my name is just uh, mentally think she tans at the beach and then just leave at the beach off. So she tans. <laughs> she tans at the beach. What, what kind of name is that, Shitian? Well, I used to, um, about 15 years ago, I um, had I had always had weight issues and mm-hmm. had a very, um, very poor core muscle mm-hmm. um, and back issues. So I had taken up belly dancing, and I became very, very oh, cool. good at it. So I became a professional belly dancer. And I'm, I'm a little bit um, heavy boned and mm-hmm. my look at that time was more of a gothic and the typical belly dance names Hello? of um, Habibi and stuff like that just did not fit. I wasn't a flower. I wasn't a jewel. So <laughs> Satan is actually anybody who's uh, familiar with the um, Black Stallion um, novel series. Um, that is the name of the black stallion, but it is also the Arabic word for devil. And being a gothic belly dancer, that kind of fit. And that just became my my nickname and my pen name and everything else name. Um, and I'm going to use it for the rest of my life. So Shatan is, uh, that's me. And there that's are cool. very few other people who call themselves that. Um, I'm not into <laughs> devil worshiping or a Satanist. I have no problem with those. Um, uh, religions or those beliefs. Um, I I label myself as a, a pagan, um, but I do more of herb crafting and uh, folk okay. magic than I do anything yeah. else. I know it was a unique name, and, and we've we and you with us now, right? I am here. Here yeah. I am. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Remember we had that, uh, we used to have that girl that she was on the show a couple of times. Uh, she was a belly dancer, too. Oh, I can't think of her name. Mm. She used to dance with snakes and stuff, too, I think. Oh, God. Well, anyways. Yep, I, 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 I did that. Yep. My, my oh, three my signature God. acts for belly dancing was 
Um, belly dancing with live snakes. I owned my own ball pythons. Um, awesome. and they were my beloved, um, uh, babies. I loved them almost as much as my dogs. Um, belly dancing on broken glass. I would break the, the glass wine bottle, uh, myself oh, yeah. and pour it onto a pile of glass. Um, and then I would proceed to belly dance on it. Uh, oh. out of the probably 200 times I did it, I only cut my foot once. Uh, and that was because somebody else set up the act for me, um, oh. set up my glass pile, and they uh, did a very bad job. And then the other was um, uh, doing um, belly dancing this, with the scimitar sword um, balancing. So those were my three um, signature acts um, back 15 years ago when I was doing it. And uh I'm sure people still talk about it to this day, but um, the 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 piles cool. of of broken glasses and buried the stimulus our swords are somewhere in storage. And uh, <laughs> I my snakes uh, my my last snake passed away about three years ago. So, uh, so uh, what what was your Christian name? First name? Um, my my Christian first name, uh, the one that I was given at birth. Uh, yeah, is Tracy, all. but I, I don't go with that um, just because I, well, I no, try I, to no, keep my... I'm my... just curious. See, I always ask yeah. questions that, that our listeners might want to know and everything. I, I'm not being judgmental. I'm a speak my mind. Everybody knows that, so yeah. don't, oh, yeah. mind <laughs> me. Don't, don't mind me if I offend you. Unlike the people on Facebook today who said because I didn't want to watch TV today that I was some kind of demonic thing, so oh. therefore... Uh, about 15 of them unfriended me, which is really fun because oh when I fig- when I figured on Facebook that, uh, you know, I only take, I've only sent out friends invitations to people I've either worked with or uh, are, I actually know. So all right. these other people who unfriended me were actually ones that friended me in the first place. So I could get a rat's <laughs> ass. Anyways. <laughs> Now, now, Ron, I want you to know, I read mm-hmm. your post and I just scrolled on by. But it wasn't derogatory feel, in any way. I know. I just didn't feel the need that I, that is fine if that's what you want to do and you go for it. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm just I, I don't with need the, to disrupt with, the whole world being a jerk to you, you know? I, you know, I just was tired, whatever, tired with the virus, tired with all the political noise. I just want to get away, and I'm going to probably stay away for a while, but anyway. So, back to Satan, and is, see, it takes, I do that. I, I unfortunately, Satan. I wonder. Yes, yes. Satan. So, you are a cryptozoologist, which is really intriguing. And one of the books, and you've written several books, is on Great Lake uh, Monsters? Yes, um, uh, Lake Monsters of the um, Great Lakes, and uh, actually the title of the book is um, Lake Monsters of the Great Lakes and Other Odd Creatures, or um, Lake Monsters and Other Odd uh, Creatures of the Great Lakes, Um, because there are um, a lot of, you know, we we have the five big Great Lakes, but there are a lot of uh, landlocked lakes and um, waterways that also have um, interesting cryptids that are associated with them, a lot in um, the Wisconsin area. Oh, cool. Mm. So you want to tell us a little bit of what's going on up there? Um, well, sure. What type, um, what type we of cryptoids are there? Well, we haven't had any, um, except for Lake Erie, um, we haven't really had any recent, recent lake monster reports. A lot of them are historical 
accounts um, of you know people who um, were first venturing on the lakes as a means of crossing from um, Canada, New York area into uh, what they deemed the, the, you know, the wild, so to speak, to do the fur trapping and stuff like that, and to set, set up settlements um, for trade, um, because that was the primary drive, you know, for moving any um, towns, cities, people westward was you had to know what was in the area and what could be profitable for people to, to make a living off of. So, um, with the Great Lakes area, a lot of that had to do with the fur trade and the lumber because we had an abundance of forests with old growth um, wood, pine trees, you know, oak trees, and that made for good building material, shipbuilding materials, and um, a a trade spread. You know, we had you know many many lumber barons um, here in. That made their trade off of that. The the lumber mills, you know, was what uh, fueled the economy, and so did the fur trades. Um, and then you have things like the iron ore industry, um, the the grain and farming communities, and so the Great Lakes became a major trade route for all of that. But before the lakes were, you know, being filled with freighters and um, the the long ships the Long Lakers, uh, we had these smaller ships that um, back in, in the time of the early fur traders, a 50-foot canoe was the way navigated the Great Lakes. And so when you're in one of these canoes and you're trying to go across one of these huge Great Lakes, um, you're pretty much putting yourself at the mercy of the water. And a lot of people, with them first coming over the lakes, if they weren't experienced in what actually lives around the Great Lakes and in the Great Lakes, anything was um, up to the imagination. So a, a log floating past that had kind of a weird um, uh, design to it or shape, and it was doing weird things in the water, that could possibly become a, a lake monster. But that's not discounting that you know, at any given time, there could have been a real living species, whether it was a giant fish, a giant, you know, turtle, um, you know, marine reptile swimming in these Great Lakes that people had encountered, and they didn't know what other label to give it than sea serpent or lake monster. Well, you know, uh-huh. I, I've, I've been doing this, well, before the, the virus hit, I was, uh, started this documentary on sea serpents and lake monsters, and uh, I'm doing a lot of work on it. So I have my own theories on it, and, and, and I believe that, you know, something exists for sure, but, you know, exactly what it is is uh, too many of the sightings are very similar in different locations uh, worldwide. So that's the intriguing thing about it. But so is it your your opinion that such a thing exists or doesn't exist? Well, you know, I would, I would be the first one um, of, of probably many hundreds of people um, who would love to see a plesiosaur swimming in, in the Great Lakes. Now, <laughs> I'm not saying that there, there's no possibility of that. Um, our, lake, our Great Lakes are so huge that it would be very easy 
And there is a plentiful food source. Our Great Lakes are so huge that there could be a living, breeding population of small plesiosaurs living right. in it. Because we, we can't plesiosaurus service thing, but maybe it's a you being a cryptologist, it's just a creature that we haven't discovered yet. In other words, it, it maybe right. it isn't a plesiosaurus, maybe it's something else. Yeah, it, it could, you know, um, when, when, when I'm talking about lake monsters, I usually break it up into five categories, and that is the giant fish, mm-hmm. like sturgeon or, or right. something of that nature. Um, your sea serpents, which is exactly that, a, a large, um, you know, free-moving snake, a giant turtle species, which we know from the fossil record that there were giant turtle species like the Archelon, which did live. And I personally have seen snapping turtles uh, actually here in the county that I live in, the size mm-hmm. of a semi-truck tire. Oh, now, wow. that's a very that's old size. turtle. Yeah. yeah, very old turtle. Um, but my age, you know, I, I've yeah. seen that with my own eyes. A, a snapping turtle, uh, you know, that's that's big. That's a monster of a turtle. But we're talking about a turtle even bigger than that. Um, probably about the size of a Volkswagen bug. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's how big these turtle reports were. And mm. then we have the amalgamations, which I apply more to the Native American um, lake monsters like Inabishu, um, Carcagna, uh, um, Gassendia, you know, those interesting creatures that we would call, probably in modern times if we saw them, we would call them a water dragon or something of that nature. But they were, um, Inabishu is the great underwater panther um, from Lake Superior. And all the different tribes, and the interesting thing about this is all the different tribes uh, individual tribes that lived around the Great Lakes area had a similar description of the creature, but they all had a different spelling and pronunciation of the name. Um, you know, with a few letters, you know, changed here and there, but I've found over 50 different, um, you know, words, names that apply to this same creature. So you had, you had a, a living cultural um, dialogue of this creature that existed for many, many years before uh, the French and, and English, you know, fur, um, you know, traders came over and uh, law, uh, lumberjacks came over that the Native Americans were talking about in, you know, in their different tribes. Wow. Shatan, what had you, what got you going down this path of uh, research of these creatures? Well, I um, I invest a lot of time into research and field research of cryptozoology, but I also do um, I I do the paranormal. Also, um, I have a few teams that I'm uh, involved in, and uh, I get to go do paranormal investigations with them. But I would say, for me, my interest in cryptozoology started way, way back when I think I was about nine years old. And, and people who, who listen to my podcast or, you know, um, have heard this story, you know, a lot, of, a lot. Um, <laughs> we had a campground here in Michigan. I'm, I'm sure it's still there. And it was called Crystal Lake because the lake uh. that it was attached to was crystal clear. Now, 
coming from a nine, you know, nine-year-old child's um, viewpoint, and we had camped at this campground many summers in a row. But one of the interesting things about this um, campground was they had a alligator living there in a dog kennel that had its <laughs> own cement pond, um, and they would feed it various fish and crabs and stuff like that. But you could walk past it, and it was kind of like the pet of, of the campground. Now, to a nine-year-old child, if there's an alligator living in the dog you know, kennel that's <laughs> you know, there for everyone to see, there has to be alligators in the lake. Uh-huh, I mean, that just makes course. sense to a nine-year-old child. So to uh-huh. me, that was like, oh, crap, we've, there's alligators here. So um, the summer that we camped there when I was a nine-year-old child, they had um, every Saturday... It was family movie night. And on this particular Saturday, they thought that um, a great double feature movie to show was the Patterson-Gimlin film and The Legend of Boggy Creek. Okay. (laughs) So as a nine-year-old child, I'm sitting, I'm watching these movies, and I'm like, well, if there's an alligator living here, surely the Bigfoots must be in the woods, too. (laughs) <laughs> so the movie gets over, and before I get back to our, our camper, I had to use the restroom. So I go in, I use the restroom. Now, all this is still fresh in my mind that, you know, there's Bigfoot's here and everything, and I suddenly, um, I couldn't walk out of the bathroom. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I was just terrified to walk out of the bathroom because I knew this Bigfoot was going to come running out of the woods, scoop me up, and, and that was going to be the last of it. So these two older ladies were very, very kind, and they, they took me back to the camper. Uh, but I will never forget that, of uh, you know, the, those um, childhood experiences that you had that stick with you, mm-hmm. of your realizations of fantasy and reality and things that you, you took for granted. Um, right. You know, thinking, you know, because I was a kid who, who wanted to have a unicorn and, and dragons were cool and... Um, you know, I remember my heart being broken when, uh, when I heard that, um, one song, um, it had to do with why the unicorns didn't get on the, the, uh, Noah's, uh, um, ark. And so, you know, these things all played into that and suddenly realizing, well, okay, I know the alligator is real cause I can see it. And we fed it minnows earlier today that we didn't use for fishing. Mm-hmm. And it's alive. It's real. It's right there. And now I've just seen two movies about a, a ape-like creature that can walk on, on two, you know, legs and is bigger than a man. And people have seen it and they, they've, you know, they've filmed it and it lives in the woods. Well, that means, you know, if alligators can live in Michigan, then a Bigfoot can live in Michigan. And so <laughs> it became um, a focus point for me. And then after that, uh, everything was, you know, um, open for, you know, research. But back in that time, we only had like the, the Edgar Casey books and fate magazine and stuff of, you know, you know, those natures. So I would, every little book I could find at the used bookstores or at the bookstores or, you know, magazine racks on, you know, Atlantis, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Uh, I, I would, you know, tried to read as, you know, much about all that as possible. 
And uh, nowadays with the internet, it's it's almost an information overload of right. um, trying to figure out uh, the truth from the myth and and researching, you know, uh, different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a very in-depth story. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is funny what sparks your future path, you know, as a child, something mm-hmm. like, like that. So that's pretty cool. So you, uh, you also teach at one of the colleges there, I understand? Yes, actually, I teach at um, two community colleges. And um, I started teaching this course last February uh, before the COVID um, hit. So yeah. um, I taught my first course last February at Owens Community College in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is about, um, with good weather, it's an hour away. Now, mm. <laughs> uh, it seemed like every every day that I, I went, or every week when I went to teach class down there, uh, we had a major snowstorm come in. So it was like an hour 15, sometimes two hours to get, you know, home. Um, but oh. I, I love teaching about this stuff. So um taught the first course and had a, a full classroom. It was wonderful. And then COVID hit and everything kind of was getting canceled, canceled, right. canceled. Yeah. And so the next college that I was teaching at wasn't until this um, past November. And that mm-hmm. was Kellogg Community College here in Michigan. So that course went very, very well. And so much so that both um, colleges asked me to come back and teach um, the same course again. So now we're trying we're trying the Zoom presentation um, uh, avenue with Owens Community College, and I will be teaching the um, paranormal history of the Great Lakes um, in oh, nice. February. There's a four week class, and then in March I'll be teaching a course on cryptozoology of North America. Now these are Zoom classes, so I'm, I'm my understanding is that if you enroll with the college, these are enrichment classes. So if you enroll and take, you know, the class, you can actually take it from anywhere because it's being taught over Zoom. Uh, you right. just have to enroll with, you know, for the class with Owens right. Community College. Now in May, I will be teaching my paranormal history of the Great Lakes at both of the college campuses for Kellogg Community College um, on the same day. So um, I'll be teaching in Battle Creek for the morning session, and then I go to Hastings. Uh, which is about oh, 15 minutes you. away <laughs> for the afternoon. That's wow. a busy day for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I like it when I have days like that, and I, I feel like I've accomplished, you know, everything on my, my checklist. So, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. works out. Now, you, you also, I also read in, I think it's your biography, something about the dog, dog, is it dog, what is it? Dog, dog man. Dog. dog. Oh, yes. I, I didn't yeah. know if it was yeah. a man or a boy. I was going to say dog boy, and then I said, dog. "Well, I'm not sure." So, <laughs> what, what is man. that? Yeah. Okay, so the North American Dog Man Project uh, was created by a couple of gentlemen out of Ohio: um, Jody Cook, um, I think David uh, Jones. Um, not can't remember the third person's name, but basically, there are um, state chapters and. Whenever they get a dog man report for that state, they send it to the chap, you know, the, the lead investigators, which I am Michigan's lead investigator for uh, North American Dog Man Project. And they send us these reports, and then it is up to us 
to uh, interview the eyewitnesses, see what their their information is, and then report back um, whether we think it's an actual sighting, if it's a hoax. Um, you know, report back what our findings are, and we are trying to, like, the Bigfoot community has the BFRO, um, the Dogman community now has the North American Dogman Project, where we are just collecting case reports, doing investigations, and trying to build a case study for, um, in archiving it, so that we have reference material to work off of, of trying to distinguish um, what exactly, you know, we are dealing with um, in, in regards to the dog man. Oh, okay. So it, so if somebody has a case, they, and, and is, you have a website or something that people could report cases to? Um, the North American Dog Man Project has its own website. Um, each of the chapters has a group page on Facebook. So if mm-hmm. somebody in Michigan has any sightings, um, they can contact me. If somebody in Ohio has a uh, sighting, they contact the, the Ohio chapter, um, yeah, Indiana, so forth. So um, each, each state has its own team of investigators who take you know, that state's reports, and we, we go and investigate. Um, now, I, I usually compare notes with um, other investigators that I know from other states, uh, just to see, you know, what they, what they are, um, experiencing and, you know, so we can kind of build our knowledge base from there. Yeah, coordinate, coordinate so, um, Unfortunately, we, we've got to take a break right now. So, uh, okay. if you'll hold on, we'll come back with sure. you after the break anyways. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on TojiNet and Pararex Radio or wherever elsewhere on and i am ron Kolick, and my host is ann carrigan and our special guest is shitan shitan thank Shetan. you yes uh and we are brought to you by circles of wisdom 386 Merrick street methuen massachusetts and the glant messier family law group 15 high street not the end of massachusetts and we'll be right back after the following message Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing. Although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guest this evening, Shatan, or Shatan, sorry, Noir. <laughs> there we go. It's my New England, my long A, I guess. It's <laughs> <My> okay. <all. laughs> so, uh, Dogman, is he like a werewolf? What What is Dogman? Well, so, the and I just watched the program on Monday night. Um, that was talking about they they were trying to work in that dog man was a skinwalker, oh. and it's it's really not that's not the case of it. Um, dog man does not change form. They are just like Bigfoot is a a you know upright walking um, bipedal you know primate similar to human beings but not an ape. So Bigfoot is its own unique creature. Mm-hmm. Dogman is the same thing. Dogman is always a dogman. Okay. They don't go from human form into, you know, wolf, you know, form and then upright canine form. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they stay in that same uh, physical appearance of being a dogman. Now, werewolves, um, that is the mythology of a human turning into a werewolf on, or into a wolf upright walking creature when there's a full moon out. Mm-hmm. Also, theory says that you can kill them with a silver bullet. I think that's a uh, bad waste of silver. <laughs> um, <'cause laughs> not gonna, the bullet's not going to go very far. You'd have to be very close, and by that time, you're probably going to be lunch meat. Um, mm-hmm. Wolfman is actually a Hollywood creation. Of uh, you know, you know, when they had their monster monster franchise of Dracula and Frankenstein and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, here let's throw in Wolfman, and uh, you know, we'll we'll feed that off of the werewolf um, myth that we find in different um, cultures around the world. And then you have the Skinwalker, which is a shaman. Who has who has chosen to go to the dark side? You know they they've become bad, and they take on different through rituals and practices. They take on the appearance of different animals, and not just a wolf. Coyotes are are very um, uh, often seen. Big cats are often seen. Um, Weird amalgamations uh, of those creatures are, are sometimes seen, and we find these reports more in the um, southwestern states of the United States. And then there are some people who will even say that a Wendigo applies to that, 
And it's not really the case. Wendigo is something more of a, from from what I have researched in my understanding and belief is, a Wendigo is more of a, a almost demonic possession that comes over a human being and a mental health crisis that changes their personality and their their thinking patterns into they are a predator and they see other humans as prey. So mm-hmm. we have several different, you know, you could throw them under an umbrella term, but that's doing an injustice to each one because they're all different and they're they're all um, not in the same category. You can say cryptozoology, you know, they all fit into cryptozoology, but the dog man is not a Wendigo, and a skinwalker is is not a dog man. A werewolf okay. of of you know legend, um, you can see where that kind of fits in with you know being skinwalker ish, but it's it's really you know if, if you look at the the legend of the seven sons um, born on the seventh year, you know it's it's a totally different um, type thing than what the skinwalker is. Okay. All right. That's a lot of different variants. I know. A lot of variations, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, go ahead. But, but dog man is, is, so he looks like a man and he has a dog's face. Is that what his Okay. So is? if you, if you take, if you, if you look at a Bigfoot, you can say, mm-hmm. okay, that is very humanish looking, except they are way taller than any human being I've ever seen except if they were a pro wrestling legend or a basketball legend. Um, Mm. You know, you're looking at typically a seven to nine foot tall, broad shouldered creature with no visible ears, but is covered in body hair with a domed head and has probably the strength of 10 men. So if you take, you know, that size comparison, seven to nine foot tall, um, Broad shoulders. Well, that's what we're looking at in some of the adult dogmen. But oh. this is a a upright bipedal walking canine. Oh, okay. So wait a minute. If it's a upright walking biped, what does he have for a second set of paws or a second set of legs? They they do they do have you know arms and hands, but the hands mm-hmm. are. Or if they were to walk on all fours, you'd be you'd be looking at similar um, paw tracks. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So they have um, paws instead they, of hands. They have the 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 front paws. The the digits are a little bit longer, so they mm-hmm. can manipulate things like a door handle or you know use the opposable oh, thumb. Um, <laughs> they do have that ability to use you know their their hands. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Dog man getting but in you're, your you're house. Looking at, you, you know, <laughs> if, if you if you were to compare Bigfoot to to Dogman, the noticeable differences are the shape of the Dogman's legs. They have um, a, a much uh, more agile looking leg. They have mm-hmm. a long tail. They have a pronounced snout, and they usually have pronounced ears. Whereas in Bigfoot, you only um, you only have very flat ears, 
if they have any ear, you know, that you can see at all with the hair that's covering them. Um, there's no tail. They have a, you know, Bigfoots have the larger, um, uh, you know, a larger shoulder set and a, a larger, um, uh, I want to say, but, um, uh, you know, on the back of them because of all the mass that they're carrying, um, their legs are thicker. Their, their arms are more muscular. They are built for power and for endurance, whereas the dogman is built for speed and agility. Okay. That makes sense, yeah. So when did the first dogman sightings start to arise? Well, the first dogman sightings that we have here in Michigan actually come from um, when the logging camps would, you know, when they came into an area, um, there, you know, there was no regulations at the time. So they would sometimes cut down a whole forest, mm-hmm. you know, a 20 mile area just gone um, because they would, you know, they cut down all the trees, sail them down the river and, you know, move on to the next, you know, forest. So the first, you know, reports that we have that, um, the English and the French, who were the, you know, the ones who were logging and, and doing the fur trading, um, the first reports that we have is of um, a pack of dogs coming into the camp and the loggers um, taking offense to this and, you know, chasing them out of the camp. And they actually corner one of these dogs and they start hitting it. And that, ha- that goes on until the, the animal has had enough and the animal starts to stand up on its back legs. And oh, they suddenly wow. realize this isn't a dog that we're dealing with. This is something else. And then it proceeds to chase them. And <laughs> some reports mm-hmm. say it chases them out of the camp and they never go back. Um, other reports say it gave chase until it had a, a way of escaping the area. Uh, another report that I've come across was fishermen. And this goes back, you know, um, early, you know, uh, 1800s, um, fishermen out in a canoe who were fishing, and they see a dog swimming towards them. And they mm-hmm. assume it's somebody's hunting dog that is lost, and, and they're, you know, it, it sees humans, and it, you know, no. just wants to, you know, come where the humans are and, and be safe. And... So they're, they're, you know, they're willing to rescue the dog um, until the dog gets to the canoe, the boat. And as they start to reach over the side to grab the dog and, and pull it in, suddenly these hands and arms from the dog are gripping onto the side of the boat and trying mm-hmm. to pull the boat into the, you know, further into the water. Mm-hmm. And so these are, you know, these are two of the... the Historical reports that we have of the dogman. Now, modern day, we get reports all the time. Are there reports of them communicating or, or making any sounds? Um, mostly uh, canine type sounds, howling, um, stuff like that. Um, the where a, a Bigfoot will monitor you and kind of watch you, and doesn't really want you to see them. The dog man really doesn't care because in the dog man's mind, you are a food item. And if you are in the woods, if you are in the woods, you are fair game. And so 
you know, I, I always tell people this, you know, think of this when you're in the woods. If you see a Bigfoot, it's because the Bigfoot made a mistake and, you know, didn't get across the trail or into hiding before you saw it. But most of the time, if you turn around and, and, and go back the way you came, it's going to leave you alone. It might, it might do a bluff charge or it might, you know, uh, you know, throw rocks or something like that at you to, to chase you off. But that's going to probably be the extent of it. Now, if you're walking down the trail and you come around a corner and here's this dog thing looking at you from behind a tree or in the middle of a path, well, it wanted you to see it. And the, the, the thing is, is it's not the one that you see that you need to worry about. Because it's hunting with a pack. And the one you see is the distraction. And as you try to start making your getaway, that's when the others are going to close in. Hmm. Okay. So if you think about how a a wolf pack or a canine pack or any wild canine uh, pack works, I I think that same analogy applies to the dog men. Are there any depths of these creatures? Um, I think there are families of them. I think that there are packs of them. Wow. Whereas hmm. the Bigfoot, you might have a mother with small or younger offspring that kind of move around in a territory and a male that kind of services everyone in different territories. With the dogman oh group, I think it's very similar to a pack mentality where you have several individuals living in a territory and they will all work together. Hmm. Okay. So how many sightings have there been? I mean, is, is it thousands, hundreds? Uh, um, I mean, are you talking how... for Michigan or are you talking for the whole United States? Well, I guess just in, in Michigan. So in, in Michigan, I would probably say uh, verified dogman reports where the people say, yes, I think I definitely saw a dogman. I think we're, we're looking at probably the 50% range. Misidentified where people are saying, you know, I think I saw a Bigfoot, but it just, it's not, <laughs> you know, what I saw on Finding Bigfoot or, or shows like that. That's not quite what I saw. It, it looked a little bit different. Then we're looking at we're looking at more reports because a lot of people they give the first initial report and then they start they start comparing it to other things that they find when they start researching they're like um, well maybe it wasn't Bigfoot it could have been this dogman creature that they are that people are talking about and I'm finding that more and more most of the cases that I get. Initially, the person will say Bigfoot, but then when you start going through the, the uh, you know, different aspects of it, then they start to say, uh, well, you know, All right. I, I think, think about it, it did have a tail. <laughs> I think it did have ears. And then we're looking more at the dog man. And so I would, I would say since, you know, people started reporting it, I would say that we've had, you know, a couple of hundred reports. But nationwide, mm-hmm. we're we're looking at thousands of reports. Wow! Hmm. And he, really? Here I here I am. I've never heard of him. Now yeah, so I know. I, I mean, we hear so much about the you know Bigfoot, but very little about the uh, dogman. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now that people are starting to realize that um, the dog man is here in North America and it's not just uh, uh, in Wisconsin um, on Bray Road and it's not just in Buddington, Michigan, where, you know, the dogman reports um, uh, originally came from. Uh, it's everywhere. And now people are starting to, uh, you know, it, it's very good when people get a good sighting of one and then they can document what they saw, you know, writing down the, the description um, or drawing it out. And then you start to see interesting things like, okay, so it had ears. Well, we know that Bigfoot do not have ears. Um, if anything, they would have an ear similar to a human being or an ape. And so it's going to be a very, very, you know, flat to the body appendage. And it's probably going to be covered in hair because that's how they, they keep themselves protected from the elements. Whereas the dog man, you're looking, you know, depending on what kind of life it's led, whether it's been an alpha or a a, um, a submissive uh, member of the pack, you know they can have pricked ears. They can have ears that are are chipped. They, you know, it just kind of depends on you know what kind of uh, lifestyle they've you know lived of if their ears are you know standing up like a German shepherd or if they're tipped like a like a collies or they're you know folded over like a German shepherd or you know a Labrador's. Or, I mean, uh, Rottweiler or a Labradors. It really depends on, uh, you know, how, they, how they've grown up and how they've been treated. Did they have lots of, um, you know, litter mates and everybody was pulling on everybody's ears and breaking down the cartilage? So, but you can still tell an ear, um, whether it's, you know, standing straight up, folded, tipped, um, whereas with the, the Sasquatches, they just have a domed head and you can't really see any pronounced ear on, on them. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I have, I have cousins. Um, my husband has cousins who live out in Chicago. They have a place at Lake Michigan. So we're going to have to give them a heads up on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I well, guess they, you didn't they, hear they my question. Probably more, they're they're Early, probably so- more looking towards the sky for the... Um, the Lake Michigan uh, Mothman phenomenon that um, I know some researchers are saying is a, a legitimate cryptid out there. Um, and then other people are saying that it's, it's just a uh, hoax, you know, um, uh-huh. somebody's playing a, a good hoax on, on the researchers out there, but um, they, they would probably be looking more for the Mothman or the shark that supposedly lives in the Chicago area uh, in uh-huh. the waterfront there. <laughs> all righty i'll tell them to look for that the shark <laughs> so so i had asked earlier and evidently you didn't hear my question because i think there's a delay between your phone and skypes but uh have there been any reported deaths from the dog man well the the thing that i go with is in order for a sighting or a attack report to be made, the human being that it happens to has to make it back to civilization and either contact the authorities and make a report or post it on social media or tell somebody else that the attack happened. Now, if you're out hiking in the woods and you come across any 
predator, whether it's a cougar, you know, mountain lion, um, wolf, uh, Bigfoot, bear, dogman, um, you know, wild dogs. Uh, you have to survive the attack in mm-hmm. order to make it back and make a report. And so a lot of these um, missing person cases, unless we find the whole remains of the human and the due diligence is done to determine what caused the attack and, you know, find out what species were involved, because just because you get, let's say you're out hiking and you are killed by a mountain lion and the mountain lion drags your, your body off of the trailhead, a couple of, you know, maybe 50 feet into the woods, they're going to eat what will satiate their hunger at that time. And then they're going to leave the corpse. And then every other meat-eating creature in the woods is going to come and pick off your carcass And then when only the bones are left, then the smaller rodents are going to come and they're going to steal the bones because calcium is a very highly sought after commodity in the the wild because there's not a lot of resources, resources for it other than bones. So you have your scavenger species that come and they take the bones so that they can gnaw on them and get the... The, the nutrients out of them, the calcium, uh, you know, that they use to produce their young to, to make, you know, their bodies stronger. And so you have to backtrack of, okay, just because we found the bones here doesn't mean it didn't come from a different site and doesn't mean that something bigger and badder didn't kill this person. So you really have to find like the, the human body as, you know, either the, the, cre- the animal has killed the person or has just finished um, eating their fill and moved off to another area because then you are looking at other uh, creatures that contaminate the site. And so we don't really know how many humans have been killed by Dogman or Bigfoot or any other cryptid um, because sometimes the bodies are very hard to find. We know that they went mm-hmm. missing. But until but you find we, the actual body of the person and you can piece together the crime scene with forensic science, you don't really know um, who the culprit is who made the kill. Right. It, it, it I mean, could we, just be, we, do have, we do have reports from, for instance, of, of, of uh, uh, attacks by um, uh, Bigfoot. I mean, there there are some reports from early times mm-hmm. of men in cabins and, and settlers that were, were attacked by yes. what they described as this creature. So that's what I was getting at. Are, are there... um, I would say the earlier in history you look, the more reports you are going to find. Um, because it, back then it was, were, you know, somebody would make the report. Or somebody had heard the story and would make the report, and then it would be because the newspapers were so hungry for any type of content that uh, Bigfoot sighting, Lake Monster sightings, the, you know, things of those natures 
were just as as um, you know here and and now um, as the train you know schedule or uh, you know somebody caught a, a you know thirty pound bass at, at this lake. So those reports, you know, I'm glad that there's a you know um, historical reports that you know from the newspapers of when these reports were made. But you kind of have to look at was it first person as in the actual survivor of the attack made the report or was it somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody that the attack happened to because Mm -hmm. details and facts get changed from one storyteller to the next, depending on how much they want, you know, how much attention they want the the story to gain. Yeah. But uh, if we go back in history, I mean, that's what history is. History at that time was, was, you know, stories told over and over again. That was our history yeah. at the time. So, I mean, those are important. I don't think we should dismiss them. Oh, no, no, no. What, what I'm saying is, you know, we do, we do have these historical stories and the accuracy of them, if it's the, if it's the person who survived the mm-hmm. encounter, um, then their details of of the attack are going to be different than someone that they tell the story to, who tells it to, to another person, and then that person, you know, uh, you know, makes a report of it to the newspapers or or anything of that nature. So um, facts and details get lost along the way, but we do have we do have a lot of historical reports thanks to old newspapers where these stories were picked up. Um, a lot of the Lake Monster. Uh, you know, historical right. historical reports are based from the newspapers because that was how they got the information out in that day and age, and how people were able to spread the the news of of something. So, anyways, that, for, unfortunately, that that was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and we've got to wrap it up. And. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And if somebody wants to find out more about you, where can they find you? The The best place to look for me is on Facebook, um, Shatan Noir, S-H-E-T-A-N-N-O-I-R. Um, I post most of my stuff on there. So that is the best place to look for um, new updates and new events that I, I am a part of. Oh, thank you so much. In fact, that's awesome. where I found found you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I just want to mention to our, our listeners that the last Saturday was the quintessential British Ghost Project Paracon, and it went very well. And the uh, on-demand uh, version of it is available now if you go to our website, inegoastproject.com, which included uh, six... Uh, British speakers, two parapsychologists, two psychic mediums, and two paranormal historians. So, Shitan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. We wish you the best of luck. Yes. And have a great day and stay safe. Thank you. I will. Uh, You're welcome. Take care. Thank you. Good night, everyone, and see you next week. Good night, everybody.
From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.